This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you should be able to defend yourself and your loved ones. The problem is that lawmakers don't understand the criminals don't obey the laws. Gun control laws just make it harder for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. So what can you do about it? You can join a Second Amendment activist group like Orange County Gun Owners, OCGO makes activism easy. OCGO connects you with other gun owners. Working together, we're getting more pro-gun officials elected. Join today at orangecountygunowners.com. Go to orangecountygunowners.com and join today. Yeah, Orange County Gun Owners, we're having our uh, gun prom coming up on the 23rd of this month. So if you are interested in attending, it's at the Orange Hill Restaurant. You have to, of course, buy tickets in advance. Um, it should be a really good time. How do, they, um, how do they buy tickets? Go to gunprom.com, gunprom.com, G-U-N-P-R-O-M.com, and you can buy tickets. Uh, individual tickets are 99 bucks. or if you want to buy a table or tables of eight, should be a really good time. Yeah. And we had a uh, we had our um, a shooting social up in Orange County, too, at FT3. Cool. Did you have a good time? It was a very good time. We had a bunch of mentors and a bunch of students, people that had never shot before. There was one guy there. I can't remember his name. I meant to write his name down. I was going to give him a little shout out, but it was his 20th birthday. Ah. So he and his grandmother and his dad came and uh, did a shooting social together. Really? I just did a show this morning in San Diego, uh, Air and Space Museum. Air and Space? There's no Air and Space there. Yeah, there is down at the museum. And these oh. two ladies that work there, they're going to get a hold of Desi and sign up for Not Me ST. Oh, cool. Well, anytime I meet women, I always bring it up. Mm-hmm. You know, and nine out of 10 go. One shot, the other one had not. So I said, get together as, as partners and go down and see Desi, and she'll take care of you. Well, Desi's in the studio with us. Today. That's why I am I, in studio today. And I didn't even know you were coming in, so but I'm always promoting. But I'm always promoting not me, SD. I think that's one of the finest programs out there. I really do. So do I. Yeah. So does Desi. I hope. I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do this morning, Desi? I actually went to Krav Maga and did my first qualification, which was awesome. So now I am a P1 certified Krav Maga student. Nice. P1. Yep. I like it. What Congratulations. Krav Maga? Krav Maga. It's Israeli self-defense. <laughs> and this instructor actually found Not Me SD last year around this time, and we did a women's self-defense class for them. Wow. And so I just started going to the studio and learning a lot and was able to have my first test this morning and i passed with flying colors so now you can go to israel no that's a few more tests and then i have to, i can go to israel that's a little far down the line so not yet okay just checking <laughs> and speaking of birthdays jackson happy birthday bud yeah you had a birthday yesterday yeah yeah and how old are you now what's what birthday is this 36 um no <laughs> 21 no 15 no nine yes Ta-da! <laughs> i guessed Nice job, man. How was your birthday yesterday? Great. Yeah? Did you, did you throw some axes? Yep. Did you hit anything? Uh, Yeah. The dog? 
No. Okay. He hit Kid. Mike. That's why he's not here today. You hit Mike? <laughs> no. Did you hit him in the head? No. Uh, I mean, with an axe? It would explain a lot. It would explain a lot. Yeah, it would explain <laughs> a lot. Did you hit the target? Uh, yeah. Well, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite? You got a bunch of birthday presents, right? Yeah. What was your favorite birthday present? All of it. There you go. Ooh, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. Don't leave anybody out. That's right. Hey, nice tattoo. Thank you. That costs a lot of money to do because those aren't cheap. No. <laughs> do you know the artist? Myself. I think oh. He is the artist. I was going to say, you could open up your own tattoo shop for nine-year-olds. That's true. Not a bad idea. He does huh? it on the side. That's how he makes his money. Ah, uh, well, you know, I don't know if you know, but he's going racing now. He's got a race car, so he's got to be able to pay for that. You got a race car now, Jackson? Yep. Yep. He's like the coolest guy. He's a race car driver. He shoots guns every week. He's got a tattoo. He throws axes on his birthday. That's right. I want to be as cool as Jackson. He's cooler at nine than I, I will ever be. I think. Pretty much. I mean, that's one. for sure. Yeah. Already, you guys want tattoos? I got tattoo markers. See? <laughs> All right, there you go. He's gonna be doing that after for us. Yeah, exactly. So, who's your buddy that that you actually got somebody to put that on them? Somebody tattooed that, right? Well, actually, uh, my friend Evan uh, tattooed a minifig of me, and I tattooed a minifig of him. Sweet. Uh, so, so there's is that Evan. So Evan, who's a buddy who worked with what he worked with canines, right? He worked with with dogs. Uh, yeah, he's Den Mother Canine on Instagram. Dead mother came out and he's a he's retired army, I think, right? Special forces, wasn't he? Did he work with the special forces? Yeah. And he's got it. He now has a tattoo of Jackson as a Lego figure permanently on his on his leg. Right? How sweet. Yep. That's wow. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know. I showed up. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of party. Mike, you got one too, right? Yeah. Where's your tattoo? <laughs> I don't have a tattoo. Don't I don't a, have a tattoo. You have a tattoo of a Buick Encore on you someplace. <laughs> I should. And then in the studio, we have guest Mike Murphy. He's running for judge. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, we're going to talk to you all about your race, but in the meantime, you're going to sit back and relax and, and weigh in. And if you have anything you want to talk to the folks about, by all means, uh, bring it up. But we, we're going to give you a couple of segments to talk all about where you stand on guns and what made you run and whatever we can. I know you're limited to, to running for judge. You're limited on what you can talk about, right? That's correct. So we're so going to make sure to- did anybody tell him that this was radio and he didn't need to dress up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did somebody forget? <laughs> we're going to blame that I on I mean, Rich. I've got my 1960s tie-dye on, so- know, man. You're like, you know, drop in, drop Far out. dude. Which yeah. looks really nice. I don't have a tie You on. like that, don't you? You yeah. don't have a tie? No. Well, you're so, styling, though. So, you got that judge look. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. That, and that's all that counts. Yeah, yeah the two dressed up people in this uh, room. And look at you. Guess. You're all for Kiss. Yep. I like Kiss. Love Gun? Is that your favorite song by Kiss? Uh, Actually, it's everybody's favorite. I want to rock and roll all night and party every that's day. Right, cause that's right, because that's who you are, man. See, there you go. That song defines you. I get it. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Hey, Desi, there's a note on here that says training tips from Desi and Dramisi, how to select a gun belt. Are you, is that something you're going over today? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> don't you love be, it? Be news to me if yeah, that was something know. we were going to talk about today. There's a note on here. I was trying to figure it out, and I was going to work it in conversationally, and I, I can't figure it out, so I thought I'd just ask you. I got nothing. Did right, you bring your nothing. tennis shoes so you can tap dance your way through that second? <laughs> I mean, they're out in the car. So. Yeah, there you go. Well, so. we're going to talk to Robin Sandoval from the DC Project. We've had other folks from the DC Project on right. uh, to talk about the DC Project. And so we're going to talk to Robin uh, in the next segment. And we got all kinds of cool stuff coming up. Desi's going to talk about 
not me. What are you going to talk about? We're going to talk to Patricia from Crime Survivor, who's the, the founder of this company. And we're going to talk about her story and hear what she's doing to help combat sexual assault and domestic violence in Southern California. Cool. Cool. And we got we got a question for uh, Sam the Gunman, and we're going to talk to Jackson a little bit more. Which will be interesting. Which will be very interesting. I agree. Yes. We have all kinds of, this is really cool. This is a good show. I can't wait. Boy, from last week, just me and Joe, to this week. I listened. You guys did good. Yeah, we had fun. We you handled it. Fun. Yeah, you guys did an okay yeah. job. We wait, battled. last week it was just you and Joe? Just me and Joe. We battled back and forth. Last segment was about barbecues of all things. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to go there, but uh, it was a delicious segment. Well, it, well, he just he finally quit being a cheapo and he bought a decent barbecue, so we had to talk about it. Well, you guys filled in. I feel confident that if I, if 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 we ever have to miss the show, you guys can. Oh yeah. Well, we had it. We had a good. Well, the best part, I have to tell you. Was I made him do the answer? Yeah, I saw that, and he couldn't yeah. stop laughing. <laughs> he did start cracking up. Well, I'm your... gonna have to replay that moment. You're gonna have to because he said he just couldn't keep up with Action Jackson, but yeah. he tried. I'm gonna have to listen to last week's. You're gonna have to listen to it. You'll get a kick out of it. Where Jeff... were you last week? I forget. Where were you? He was tired, man. He had a oh, hard that's right. week. You were oh, working yeah. in the that salt mines. Terrible. Your mom said you were road hard and put away wet. You were exhausted. Yeah. But that's okay. Everybody needs a nap. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Hi, right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. April is. Oh, well, wait a minute. Is that nope. the right one? Moms. What happened? I don't know. You ate it. I had it all set. Moms who make demands to take our rights don't speak for moms like Robin. Regional Director of the DC Project, Robin Sandoval, is next. But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call California firearms lawyer John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. You can call him at 760-642-7150 or just visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. So our guest is Robin Sandoval. She's a Second Amendment activist, and uh, she is, uh, excuse me, if you've been around the Second Amendment at all, you've heard of the D.C. Project, and I'm sure you've heard of, of Robin. She's very, very active and very effective. Uh, Robin, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys today? Great. Thank you so much for being on Gun Owners Radio. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. I always like visiting with you guys. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about D.C. Project. The D.C. Project is a group of women for gun rights. We gather from all across the country to meet with our congressmen, really to show a face of the American gun owner, to really dispel stereotypes of what the American gun owner used to be. And, of course, to counter mom's demand. The mom's voice is very effective, and it's often used against us. And so I always go and meet with members of Congress and tell them that moms that make demands to take our rights don't speak for moms like me or my friends or a number of other women around the country. So... That's what we're doing on the local level, the state level, and the national level. So why do you think that they get so much traction, the, the, the moms who want to take our guns? Oh, budget for sure. They have a lot of big, pocket, deep pockets behind them. And for those of us 
uh, wearing teal that are out there on the, the pro-gun side. We're just regular moms, everyday moms that are using our voices to get involved and speak with our legislators, and we're just doing more of a grassroots organization. Whereas on the other side, unfortunately, they have a lot of major funding. I think that their annual budget is, you know, 70-something million dollars. It's 70 million? Moms Demand Action, they get $70 million a year? Yeah, it's Bloomberg funded for sure. It's is it really? Is it pretty? I mean, is it like eighty percent of their of that is is Bloomberg or? It comes out of Bloomberg and also every town. It's the same. They they have the same kind of infrastructure, the same support. So they have a a lot of uh, a lot of machine behind them pushing them forward. You know, I've found in San Diego with San Diego County gun owners particularly. Um, we're not partisan, so I'm gonna. I'm, I'm about to talk about Democrats right now, but I want everybody to know we're not partisan. You know, there are, there are things that can be said of Republicans and the Libertarian Party and, and whatever. But what I've found is that Democrats um, do a a uh, an effective job of taking an issue and um, kind of uh, you know hijacking it and making that issue a way to get more Democrats elected. So it's not so much that they care about the issue, and 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 this is across the board. This is uh, LGBT issues. It's uh, you know anti-gun issues. It's across the board. They do a really good job of funding these these groups that that are you know single issue, and rather than really truly caring about solving that problem, they um, they kind of use that. It's like a proxy thing. They use that issue in order to help get Democrats. That's really what their goal is, to get more Democrats involved. Um, it, 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 it seems like they do that not just in San Diego, but nationwide. Do you think that that's a big part of what's going on? I do think that the, the Democratic side is really more focused on, on this as a, a, you know, obviously they're more anti-gun, but I think we are at a huge advantage in the gun owner community because we are such a diverse community. And if we can just stick to that single topic and not really in other issues, we can find so much common ground in our right to, to keep and bear arms, our right to protect our families. And that's how we can bring in a wide net and a big diversity group that we can really have a better call to action for this issue. It doesn't have to be a partisan issue. And the more people we can get to the table and the more people we can talk about defending our families and protecting our families, the more people who will vote on our side of the aisle. So that's, and that's exactly, it's really well said. And that, that's really where I was going is if it really is simply a budget issue, I think we actually have the facts on our side. I think we even have the emotion on our side. It's just that, you know, we don't have the $70 million on our side. And it, it, it really just feels like, man, if we could just get anywhere near that $70 million, you know, and, and the, the other side, the anti-gun side, um, just does a, a, a far better job of you know prying money out of people's uh, you know uh, wallets, um, and I, I don't know what it is. It seems like I don't know if it's a philosophy thing or, or what it is, but um, I really do think that if you if if we or who, whoever if the pro gun side if we had half the budget um, that the anti gun folks have, um, you know, like I said, we have the facts. The one thing that seems to be undeniable that um, women. You name it. Uh, you, you name the person. Um, it, it's undeniable that if you are potentially, or if you're about to be the victim of a violent crime, it is always better to be armed so that you can defend yourself than not be armed. 
You know, it, it's just it's just factual. It's just a fact. There's no there's no there's nobody out there. There's no reasonable uh, argument to be made that oh no no it's actually way better if you're not armed. You know, if you're about to be attacked violent, you the last thing you want right. is a weapon to defend yourself. You really you know there's nobody has that. It's not a reasonable case to to make. And um, so, okay, so if we have the facts and the emotion, like you're, you're talking about, you know, moms, right? The, these are people who have kids and want to protect them. And there's nothing better than that, right? So we have the facts. We have the emotion on our side. It really just boils down to a PR thing. Uh, and PR, of course, equals, unfortunately, money. Um, you know, what, what do you think could be done better for how, how, what would you say gun owners could do better when it comes to, uh, you know, giving to groups? Well, you're right. And PR is kind of where we are with the DC project and trying to get that message out. And we're using social, obviously, because it's, um, the most grassroots network that we can, that we can get out. We have some new videos coming out. Um, a couple of videos have already gone out that have been viral. So we just encourage everyone to share our message and get that, in front of more people and really just share the the knowledge and and share your story and i always say we're trying to make gun owners mainstream a lot of people think that gun owners are are universally hunters or in this demographic or that demographic and i just want us to be the the mom next door the family next door the people that you interact with all the time and make guns more mainstream yeah yep i think you're right why is it important to you personally what happened in what, – what, do you have a story or, or is there something that happened, uh, you know, in, in your life that made you go, hey, you know what, I got I to gotta fight for this? Well, actually, I was strongly anti-gun for most of my life. I was a, a strong uh, proponent of gun control. It wasn't until I saw the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina when I saw a modern American city become debilitated overnight and families were really left on their own. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment when – I was watching um, a mother getting on a bus to Houston, and she handed her two small children to a stranger and said, please take them. I'll try to find you in a few days. Mm. My heart broke for her, and I turned to my husband, and I said, what do I have to do that that's never me, that no matter what happens, we can stay together as a family? So I said, I'm going to store peanut butter and tuna fish, and we're just going to hunker down no matter what happens. And he said, if people are that desperate, someone's going to kick in our door for our peanut butter and tuna fish. How are we going to stop them? And after arguing for gun control my whole life, I had no argument. It came down to these three little people that I was willing to do whatever it took to protect them. And so um, I partnered with a friend, Juliana Crowder, and together we own an organization called A Girl and a Gun. And we have uh, chapters throughout the country, and we provide training. We trained more than 35,000 women last year. We have Our program is in more than 300, nations, uh, 300 ranges nationwide. So I'm huge on advocating and also encouraging women to come out and learn gun safety, learn gun uh, proficiency, be confident with your gun, get into it for sport, realize how much fun we have at the range, how much fun it is to be a gun owner, and how much, just what an incredible community we are that is sometimes vilified by the other side. You know, so many national events uh, have helped cut through the anti-gun BS, Um, and, and Katrina was definitely one of those, but even, you know, covid uh, the first few weeks of COVID when things were shutting down and people were panicking, uh, the idea that guns were anything other than a, than a self-defense tool, it just cut right through that, right? You know, all the rhetoric, all the politics, people just knew uh, instinctively that, hey, I need something to defend myself. And we, we saw a ton of that. Have you, did you guys see a huge spike after COVID? Oh, of course. Women are still coming to us wanting to, to become more proficient in their self-defense and their home defense plan, their personal safety defense plan. It's still 
they realize that vulnerability. And once you realize how vulnerable you are, you can't just go back. You can't just say, oh, well, a first responder will will show up in those seconds that I need them. That's not how it works. And once you realize that that's not how it works and you're willing to take a stand and, and protect yourself, then it's a game changer. And you're more empowered for it, your community, your family, everybody's more empowered for it. I think carrying a gun, I, I, I just got a CCW just a few years ago. We weren't able to get one in San Diego for, for decades. And, and when we were, I was able to get one. And I think carrying, uh, it didn't take long after carrying daily to be completely used to it. And it, it suddenly, it's, it's, it's become a part, like, you know, if, you, if, you, if I walk out of the door and, I, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm not carrying, I notice just the same way as if I walk out the door and I don't have my car keys or don't have my wallet, you know? Without your phone, you have a little separation anxiety. A <laughs> little separation anxiety. You, and yeah. you, you kind of realize, I was just going through life and anyone could do anything they wanted to me and I had very little you know, defense. I mean, how do people, you know, it, it kind of occurs to you. And I think that's, that sounds a little bit like what you're describing. You know, you, you can't go back. Once you have that realization, you can't go back. Once you, you can't unknow it. Right. And it's a hard thing to know. And it's a scary thing for some people to recognize. But once they realize it, they say, okay, I can take this information and not be afraid. What do I need to do to make sure that my family's safe, secure, provided for, prepared? There's a number of, of people you can go to. There's experts in this field. So you're not alone. You don't have to search YouTube and figure it out. Listening to, listening to this show gives you ideas. It points you towards training. It points you towards knowledge. It's just really important for everyone to to jump in. Well, what was your first, after you real first off, chunky or smooth peanut butter with your tuna fish? Which was it? <laughs> I think it was, was smooth it peanut was smooth? butter. Okay, all right. You can stay on the show then. I think. No, it, it, what's up with you girls and <laughs> Chunky smooth. peanut butter, Chunky's smooth is the way, way to go. All about chunky. It's uh, all, what do you think, Action Jackson? Chunky or smooth peanut butter? I'm kind of both ways. There you go. Oh, he's a politician. <laughs> hey, can you hang with us for a little bit, kid? Robin. Robin. I know. Oh, yeah. Now you're all kids in my world. <laughs> Dave's hang- 150 years old, Robin, I so know. he calls everybody. So hang kid. in there. We'll be right back with a whole lot more on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. Well, is getting your pilot license on your bucket list action, Jackson? One. Yes. Okay, good. So we're going to get you flying. You go. Make that dream come true in San Diego Flight Training International. We are excited to welcome San Diego Flight Training International as a new sponsor. Learn to fly. Start the adventure of a lifetime in the heart of San Diego right at Montgomery Field. Getting started is easy. Uh, is easy. Give them a call at 858-569-1822. Learn to fly with SDFTI, 858-569-1822. You know, in the week after, it was about two years ago now, um, the week after the COVID started and they, they started to shut people down, basically, and start, sh- shut businesses down, I, I made a couple of special trips to some of the gun shops just to see what was going on and let everybody know, hey, you guys can stay open, but you have to adhere to the you know, the, the, the rules and regulations that have have to do with, with cleaning and safety and that sort of thing. 
And while I'm standing there, somebody behind me, I was talking to the owner of a gun shop, somebody behind me said, I need a gun. And the guy working the counter said, okay, what, what are you looking for? And he said, anything. Whatever you have in stock, I need a gun. And I thought, oh, my God, turn around. And this was an active duty Navy guy in, in, in uniform. And it really kind of hit home, like how just how desperate people were for, for safety or at least to feel safe. And I, it was a pretty amazing experience. And, and they told me, I said, I've never heard anybody just walk into a gun shop and say that. You know, I, I think that if we weren't going through what was happening in COVID, that would have been an enormous red flag, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, they were telling me, nope, this is happening all the time. And people, of course, in California, we have this this 10-day wait period, and people were trying to buy their way through the 10-day wait period. They wanted to give more money to the gun shop if they would skip the 10-day wait period, and the shop would have to say, no way, you can't They're the that. ones on the left. Well, so it was very, very, it was an interesting time, and I think it said a lot. And Robin, you and I were just talking about, uh, you know, your reaction to Katrina and how that got you into advocacy. And, uh, you know, we see it over and over again, depending on the disaster, you know, whether it's a hurricane, natural disaster, or a virus, or a not so natural disaster, like the mostly peaceful protests with the, um, you know, the BLM riots and whatnot. So what what was your first step after you after you decided you wanted to protect your your peanut butter and your tuna fish? What was your first step? Well, at the time, uh, there was an instructor here, Juliana Crowder. She was starting to host Girls Night Out at the range. The idea was to succumb, and she would have her guns, her talent, her knowledge, and women just had to come after work and just come to get together with other women. And back then it was up on, it was on meetup back, back in the, you know, a decade ago, we were on meetup and I was afraid to go. I was a new gun owner. I didn't know anything about it. I don't know if I was more scared of going to the range or shooting the gun or meeting other women or just all of the above. So my husband signed me up. He RSVP'd for me to go and I didn't want to, you know, look like I was, you know, wimping out. So I showed up and that night changed my life. Now, was he into guns? Uh, kind of. He grew up more. Uh, his his family was. They enjoyed being on the lake and fishing. So not so much. But he was not anti. But he wanted to have guns in the home, and I was just strongly against it with our three kids. So why do you I think? Think, why do you think you were against it? Oh, I believed all the statistics that everyone threw out all the time of you're more likely to be injured if it's in in your home. You're more likely to have it taken from you and used against you. All of those things. And I I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Where was that stuff? Where where were you exposed to that? Through mostly through mainstream media, through yeah. movies, uh, through news stories, and I believed I really believed that only people who had guns were either people who lived in the country or people who lived in um, urban high crime areas, and I didn't live in either, so I didn't think it applied to me. Yeah, I hear that all the time. People say, "Oh, I don't I don't need a, a, a carry permit, or I don't really need to carry a gun because I live in a, in a in a nice neighborhood." Right. Well, where do you think bad people go to get nice things? <laughs> right. They go to nice neighborhoods. Um, I hear it all the time. It's amazing. And you look at even even if you look at some of the the highly covered you know mass uh, uh, events. You know, um, uh, so you know the ones that make the headlines where you know multiple people are, are injured or killed. Uh, you know, these are happening in, in in the suburbs and in nice neighborhoods. You know, so it's it's just it's just not an excuse. You can't you can't just you can't just put blinders on and say, "Hey, my my neighborhood, you know, has has really nice uh, houses and you know very very little litter, so therefore I'm safe from from bad people." I, I just don't think that that's a that's a reasonable thing you can you can you can expect anymore. 
Right. And I think it's, for a lot of people, it's easier to put those blinders on than acknowledge reality. But there has to be some kind of, of spark in your life. And maybe, hopefully, it's not a, a, a violent incident or a, a scare that you had or a just a, a difficult or uncomfortable situation. That is what spurs a lot of people, unfortunately. But I can always relate it to women in a number of different ways. If your child had a life-threatening diagnosis, would you just be like, oh, well, we're just going to you know, keep on trucking and no, you are going to become like the better researcher than the FBI. You're going to go all in and you're going to learn everything you can to protect your child. Mm. It's the same thing. It's, um, it's a parent's nature to want to know all the information. How can we secure our homes? How can we safeguard our children? How can we learn about these incidents so we can prevent them from happening in our children's schools, in our communities? You have to learn about it before you can address it. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. But once you do learn about it and you learn who the experts are and you don't listen to mainstream media, but you listen to actual experts in this field, you seek out training. There's incredible trainers in all over the country. Once you get that information, it really empowers you. It almost calms you because now you have a plan. What's what there is what's possible. Let's look at what's plausible. Let's look at what's normally happens in these situations and learn how to defend our home. I've experienced exactly what you just said about uh, it's it's calming because now you have a plan. I, I think that uh, that I've I've heard some some folks who are anti-gun or maybe not gun owners think that that gun owners uh, maybe there's more ex- anxiety, you know, because and that's why they're carrying a gun. And I think it's quite the opposite. I think that. Um, you know, your ability when, when you have, a, a, you know, knowledge and you ha- and you know that you can handle situations, you know how you're going to handle situations, you've thought it out and you have the proper tools. I think that that takes away anxiety. I think you're absolutely right. And it is very calming. Yeah. And many women come to us to learn those tools and to have that sense of, of, you know, protection and defense. But then once they realize how much fun shooting is and we get them out shooting competition or we shoot, shoot clays or we do different events, everyone realizes how fun it is. And it's a completely different, it opens their eyes into a world they never knew existed. And that's really where the fun begins. So most of our listeners are gun owners, you know, um, they're, you know, they train, maybe, maybe, you know, they'd like to train more, maybe, you know, maybe they're not obsessed with gun culture, but they're definitely involved and, and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a part of their life. Um, most of them are members of our organization and show up at our events and that sort of thing. What would you like them to know about DC Project? You know, the folks, kind of the, the casual gun owners who are, who are engaged, um, it, you know, it doesn't take over their life. They have other hobbies and interests, but uh, they're generally, uh, you know, um, engaged. What would you like them to know about DC Project? Well, please go on social media and, and follow DC Project and all the great things that we're doing. Um, if you want to like it and share it and just um, engage with us. Unfortunately, the way the algorithms work, if people don't like and share and comment, then it kind of makes us fall to the wayside. So your voice matters. Your voice at Congress matters, but your voice just on Instagram matters too. So give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a heart, give us some kind of engagement on all of those things. And that really goes a long way in, in your participation in, on the social channels and pushing us forward to reach more people and, and for Instagram and Facebook to show us to more, more people. That's, that's a simple thing that people That's an do. easy ask. That's a real easy ask. I would, I would go a step further and say go on their website and give them a couple bucks too. That's right. The next step is to go to dcproject.info. You can donate. Um, you can join our newsletter list. We would love the donations to help us travel to meet with congressmen, to help us um, you know, promote our, 
our activities that we're doing, the, all the PR stuff that you said, that absolutely costs money, and we would really love your contributions. Are your uh, donations tax deductible? The DC project is a 501c4, so tax oh. deductions are not directly okay. um, tax deductible. Um, but there's, you know, sometimes it's advertising, sometimes it's, sure. you know, there's there's other ways to write it off. The charitable contributions could happen through other um, 501c3s. Taxation gotcha. is theft anyway, Dave, so we should probably, well, you know, that's another show. We that's another show. Next, Next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> hey, Robin, we have one of our co-hosts is uh, Action Jackson, and he's turning nine. He's going to be nine years old on- no, he's uh, already nine. It's this Wednesday, right? He's nine years old this week. Oh, I thought you, it was the Saturday. whole week. His birthday party was yesterday, but his birthday's... Uh, anyway, he goes to Glock store here in San Diego every week, and he shoots his Glock, and uh, he's uh, getting into competition, and he's an amazing little guy, and he's got a question for you. Uh, what's your favorite gun? Good question. Oh, well, the gun, any gun that I have on is my favorite gun at the time. <laughs> I have a lot of favorite guns. It depends on if I'm you know, going out around town or if I'm going to a match or if I'm going to the range for practice. Um, there's lots of different lots of different guns that I love. Well Jackson's getting into competition, so what do you use mainly when you're when you're competing? Lately I've been using my Walther PDP with my red dot. That's been my go to. Um if I'm shooting in a in a where I don't have to be in an open division, I shoot with my red dot. But if I do have to stay in tack ops then I, I usually shoot with my Glock seventeen with my iron sights. Wow. What do you like about the Walther? I really like the ergonomics of it. And it's just a really good little it's a really good little gun. It's been really reliable for me in, in a lot of defensive training. Nice. Do you, do you like revolvers or, or just semi-autos? I don't have a lot of experience with wheel guns. I I appreciate them and I like them, but I don't I don't have a lot of them. She must not live in California if she has a lot of guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, well like my friend John says, I have as many as I need, but never as many as I want. Ah, oh, that's a that's a true California statement if I ever heard one. Well, California, we have people have a lot of guns. It's just a lot of the same guns because we can't get the, all the we cool can't guns. Get all the cool guns. <laughs> what part of the country are you in, Robin? I'm in Texas. See, I knew it. I knew she was not in California. I knew it. I, I kind of like the idea. Now, listen, it's a hard job here in California standing up for the Second yeah. Amendment, but I really do kind of like. The idea that there are people in states like Texas mm-hmm. that say, "Hey, you know what? We we got to do something here." Well, we I was I was out there two weeks ago, and I went uh, shooting with the girls. Uh, we had girls' night out at the range. Our San Antonio, our San Diego chapter of a girl and a gun was out there, and we went to the range and had a really great time. And it was interesting hearing about some new AR owners listening to the all the the steps that you guys have to take to be legally compliant. But Isn't that ridiculous? Very interesting. Who now? Who, which were you were in? Uh, where were you? Were you in San Marcos? Is that where you were? No, I was in San Diego. In San Diego, okay. Um, do you remember who 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 was the who's the chapter leader out here that you were working Dakota. with? Dakota. I went to Dakota's meeting. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. How is the weather okay when you're out here? <laughs> yeah, it was a little chilly. I was surprised. It's like ninety last couple of days. Yeah. Call us next time, and we'll let you buy lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I love lunch. It's one of my four favorite meals of the day. Yeah. We'll have tuna and peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, well, that's only, you know, in a disaster situation. If I'm in San Diego, I'm definitely going down to Little Italy. That's where you guys are. Ah, how about that. Denny's spaghetti? That's, that's Michael's favorite. Don't bring it up. It's a still a sore subject, Dave. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's great having you on. We look forward to talking to you down the road. Great. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. 
right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Hunters Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. We're going to talk to a guy running for judge coming up, Mike Murphy. But before that. Oh, yeah, I messed up this time. Where is my 545er? Uh, 4.45. Does it take too much time? It does. It does take too much time as well. Somebody ate my 445 sheet. Let me borrow yours. All right. All right. Hey, does it take too much time to clean your gun? Oh, our favorite one. Clean lube and protect your guns faster with CL1. CL1 CLP Plus is a natural, non-toxic, environmentally friendly. Tastes great, too. Just kidding. Because I would eat it. Clean your gun easier and faster. One and done with CL1. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop. Or get some on their website at seal1.com. That's seal1.com. So, you know, I missed the last couple of weeks. I think two weeks ago I had COVID, Dave. Not sure. Well, did you get tested? I didn't, I got tested after the fact, but it, I had most of the symptoms and started getting, I'm, I'm going to uh, get a little weird here, but um, I started getting uh, most, I got most of the symptoms and it started getting into my lungs. Are you vaccinated? I'm not vaccinated. And I, uh, I've had pneumonia a couple times and it's not fun. And no, I, no, 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 no. And I got a little worried. And here's here's where people here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna get some eye rolls. I reached out to some folks and actually took some ivermectin. I was just <laughs> gonna tell you because I got COVID. Yeah. And I took ivermectin and it knocked it out in a day and a half. I I got to tell you, it was kind of a all right. I'll, I'll make an appointment to see a doctor. I'll do this. I'll do whatever. Boom. I'll take some ivermectin and then blah 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 blah. Monday morning on a Monday morning, a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, I was uh, as as it it it, it was it would, it was as bad as it it had been all you know for the for the whole time I'd had symptoms, mm-hmm. and like I said, I was starting to worry because it was getting in my in my mm-hmm. lungs. I was mm-hmm. really really truly starting to worry. Right, and took ivermectin, took the amount they said, and by that afternoon, I was I know way better. Hmm. My wife within does. within three days, I, I, it was. It was done. My wife does all of that crazy research, and that she, you know, the minute because she got it too, and we both did it, and within a day, day and a half tops, we were good. Anecdotally, that's every that's every experience I've heard about ivermectin. That's what everybody's been saying, yeah, and don't, I don't know what to say about they, it. But they don't want you to take it. They don't want you to take it. I actually talked. I finally got a doctor's appointment. We we tested like three days later. I was negative. Yeah, which uh, is good. Um, but uh, uh, you know, I asked. I was like, "Hey, doctor, where do you I see need- your antibodies? They're through the roof." I didn't get the antibody test, but I was like, "Look, doc, I need to know. You know, I'm taking this stuff. I took it, and uh, you know, is this stuff safe or what's the deal?" I said, "I don't want to argue over whether or not it's going to be effective for COVID because I don't. I don't have a degree in science, and right. I know. I know. I'm not here to argue that. Right. I just want to know: is it safe for human consumption?" He said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, we actually prescribe it for." He, he said he it did a really good job in some some toenail fungus yeah. or something that somebody had or i don't know something like that he's like yeah they, they they prescribe it for humans all the time but they just don't want to talk about it well it's, it was an interesting to, interesting you, dude, interesting experience they don't want to talk i know i've been there done that anyway what an interesting intro to dude. mike murphy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how that happened mike how you doing mike i'm doing well thanks for having me you bet so mike murphy you're running for Superior Court judge. There's two races in San Diego County right now. I'm in one of those seats. There's seat 35 and seat 36. I'm running in seat 35 with uh, two other candidates. Now, what does that tell, tell people? What, what does that mean? What does a Superior Court judge do? Why is it a Superior Court? What's yeah. the Superior Court? What does a Superior Court judge do? Right. Thanks. So there's there's obviously we have our court system in California, and we have three levels of courts. 
So there's the trial courts, and that's what everyone kind of thinks of when they think of court and a trial, and you got juries and witnesses. Uh, those trial courts in California are called the Superior Court of California. So gotcha. uh, the judges who preside over those trials and the other proceedings there, those are Superior Court judges. And then you have the next level of court in California, which is the California Court of Appeal. And then above that, you have the California Supreme Court. So uh, so this, generally, when people go to court, they're going to Superior Court. That's correct. Like, like yeah. I said, with, with Yeah, if you're dealing with a traffic ticket or a misdemeanor or any kind of case, and you have to go be front of a ju- in front of a judge, you're going to be going in front of a Superior Court judge. What so, happened to small claims? Uh, they still have those. And, and that could be a judge. Sometimes they have commissioners, yeah. which are... Those are appointed by the judges, and they give them some authority that a judge has, and they handle those types of things. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you, you, what types of cases would you actually be hearing? Is, do they? How does that work? You know, like what types of cases would you hear? Do you only hear certain types of cases, or how does how would that work? Right. So, there's a variety of cases that the court has to deal with, and you can think of them broadly in different categories. Obviously, there's the criminal cases, and then you have civil cases when you know private parties are suing each other, or you sue the government. And then we have uh, family court, which deals with divorce and child custody issues. Uh, there's juvenile court, which deals with uh, juvenile delinquency matters and what we call juvenile dependency matters. And those are when uh, kids need to be taken away from their parents for some reason and they become a ward of the court. And then there's probate court, which deals with uh, wills and trusts and, and probate matters that have to be done when people die. So those are the broad ranges. So, so if you got elected, they might assign you to a, you might you might do any one of those. You, theoretically, you could be assigned to any type of department. I, I believe that decision is made by the presiding judge. As, as a kind of technical matter, the Superior Court is one body. There's about 140, 150 Superior Court judges in San Diego County, but they all represent the court. And, you know, an act by one judge is an act by the court. And so whatever department uh, the, the court needs you in, that's where they're going to sign you. However, they do try to match your experience with the department that you're going to be in so that you have you know, some wisdom and knowledge about that type of law. So let me ask you a question, because the Supreme Court in D.C., you know, with all of that, they decide they don't want to hear the case. They just decide, I'm not going to hear the case. Can you do that at your level? No. So, the, 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 so what's the deal? Yeah, well, they figure, you know, the, there has to be a, a branch of the judicial you know, the judicial branch that needs to resolve matters between parties in an official capacity. And uh, most matters, you don't have a right to appeal to those high courts. So um, the court, California, court of, California Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court, they have discretion. And part of the, the idea is they're, they're just one court. And if someone had a right to hear, have their case heard in those higher courts, you just couldn't do it as a practical matter because of the numbers. So mm-hmm. they try and select appropriate cases that present issues that are not uh, consistently being applied in the lower courts. And we need, we need a supreme body to say, here's what the rule is. Let's decide this so we have uniformity. And it's kind of that role that they play to set the law for everyone else to follow. And so they select those particular cases. Gotcha. So yeah. what, you know, I ask this question a lot, um, probably every candidate, and and I always, you know, people get, don't give me like the the bumper sticker answer here. Mm-hmm. I really want to know what, like, what's the catalyst? What made you run? Like, you know, people, I ask them that and they go, well, I want to do better for my country. Or better yet, what are you doing now? Are you right. a judge? Well, actually, let's get to that. Let's get yeah. to that a little bit later. First, what, what, what was the real catalyst? What really made you, Mike Murphy, go, hey, man, I'm running for judge? Yeah, it, you know, I, I've been, and I'm not going to, I'll, talk about my experience later but i've been i've been a lawyer for 26 years now i have i've been a prosecutor for that long i've worked in all of our courts the the ones i just described 
And I realized at this point, I've done what I can do at the office that I'm at, and I've had a great career and I enjoy it, and I'd, I'd be happy to stay. But I realized that I've got some experience now. I've got some wisdom, I believe, that I've learned, uh, some common sense. And, you know, I, I, I realized, and I'm a San Diego native, I'd like to really be a part of the community more directly in that way. So judges, obviously, they deal with people on a daily basis. They make decisions that impact people's lives, hopefully for good, and you do the right thing. Uh, that appealed to me just to, on a personal level that that's something I, I would like to end my career doing in, in the town that I love, in the town that I grew up in, my family's here. So it, just, it was just kind of a calling, and I realized that uh, finally, at this point in my career, I had the confidence to say, you know what, I, I think I can do this and I'd do it well. What's, now what's, a, what's something you saw a judge do in your career that really impressed you? That oh. you'd like to maybe, that you, maybe you filed that away and thought, man, if I were a judge, that's what I'd do. You know, I, the, I can't say there's one particular decision that stands out, but I, I have been impressed over the years. And, and it's something I've always tried to emulate in my professional life. You know, there, there's there's times when judges need to make really difficult decisions. There's there's not an obvious answer sometimes. And I have a sister who does family law. You know, a lot of times you're resolving disputes between people where there's no clear right answer, and you have to balance interests. And I've just always been impressed when judges have been able to first not only treat both parties with respect. You have to be a good listener. You have to understand the issues that they're. That, that they're presenting to you, the legal and factual arguments. But, it, you know, what has impressed me with some of the judges is their ability to absorb all that information. And when you hear them tell you what they're going to do with that decision, you sit back and you think, you know, may not be, make everybody happy, but that seems the right thing to do. And I've seen certain judges that just consistently have a knack for uh, making the right call in any given circumstance. Now we can't. San Diego County gun owners can't endorse you. It's actually really difficult for for um, organizations to endorse judges, um, and and it's difficult for you to say, hey. In fact, you can't say, hey, this is how I'd rule on right. this or that. Um, you're not allowed to do that. That's correct. Which makes it really difficult. That's why. That's pretty much why we've decided, hey, you know what? We're not going to endorse judges. Um, the other reason is we feel like if we did endorse a judge in a gun case got in front of them, it would be very, very difficult for them to rule on that. So we're staying out. Why is it, uh, we got a minute and a half, we're going to talk to you on the other side of the break mm -hmm. too, but in a minute and a half, why was it important for you to come on Gun Owners Radio to talk about your, your campaign? Great question. And and I think that's a wise decision to, to you know, kind of stay out because it, it's important. You know, you want judges and the whole judicial branch to be independent. You want them to be impartial and you want, you know, the, the task of a judge is to fairly impartially and independently uh, you know, decide what the law is that applies to any given facts, decide the facts fairly, and as best you can reach a fair, just outcome. And you don't want people that are beholden to any political party or beholden to any group for fear of, you know, there might be some conflict of interest or whatnot. Um, but, you know, the challenge, I mentioned this earlier, uh, running for judge, a lot of people don't know who we are at all. I, I think one of the important things uh, in deciding who to vote for judge, and which is appropriate for us to talk about, is you know, our personal background, our professional background, what qualifies us to hold this seat? Because it's a very important seat. Okay. He just wants to wear a black robe. Hey, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I think you'd look good in a black robe, yeah, don't right? you think? No. Yeah, we ought to take, take a look at that. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer.
Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Mike Murphy was running for San Diego County Superior Court judges in the studio, and we're talking to him, but first... A lot of companies are so frustrated with their websites. It looks old, it's hard to update, and it's not generating any leads. What's the answer? SageTree. They get it. Since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and get leads. Stop being embarrassed by your website and get one that you're proud to share. Contact SageTree today to get a website that makes the phones ring. Getting started is easy. Go to SageTree.com and schedule a call. Go to SageTree.com and press the schedule a call button and they'll take care of you. All right, in studio, we got Mike Murphy, San Diego County Super Superior Court Judge. And the topic is Murphy's Law. <laughs> oh, so you're the one that started Murphy's <laughs> Law. I wish, no. I wondered where that How came. many times have you heard that throughout? A lot. Life? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny, though, uh, 10, 15 years ago, my dad was an attorney, my sister's an attorney, and, and when, when my sister and I passed the bar back in the mid-90s, you know, the web was just kind of growing right so we registered and and i still have not murphy's law but murphy, murphy law, law <laughs> website you know so i don't have anything up there but i, I use that as my email address mm-hmm. it's mike at murphylaw.com that's so. cute listen man my last name schwartz ever since space balls came out i don't feel sorry for you right. <laughs> <laughs> you actually look like you <laughs> so you're uh, you're running for superior court judge you want to make basically you want to make life better and you, you right. feel you have the professional experience uh, to be a good judge, I think that's that's awesome. What are you doing right now? Yeah, I'm a I'm a deputy attorney general with the California Department of Justice, and I've worked in. Our- what does that mean? What does that do? Yeah, so uh, the I work for the attorney general's office, which is uh, you know part of who the attorney general technically is responsible for the California Department of Justice. So you've got the law enforcement side, and then you've got the attorney side, and on the attorney side is is uh, the office of the attorney general. Um, and I should say, I'm here speaking for myself personally. I'm not representing my office right here. I'm understood. Yeah, representing myself as a candidate. Um, these are obviously my personal views. But um, what I've been in our criminal division for the last 25 years, and what that really means is we're, we are the Attorney General's office is is the law office that represents the people of the state of California in all criminal matters. Um, you. Most people are familiar with the district attorney and what they do, and, and those are county prosecutors who represent the state at, in the trial courts, in the superior courts. So that's why the district attorneys are primarily responsible for filing charges against individuals and prosecuting those and, and having them sentenced. Our office does trial work, but we only do that when a DA has a conflict of interest. So that's when we would come into the trial courts. So about a year ago, the Union Tribune, reached out to me and said, hey, we have some gun control op-eds that are coming through. We want to offset that. So write an op-ed on whatever you want that has to do with, with you know, wh- whatever you want, basically. They gave me, uh, you know, I, I could I could pick the topic. Yeah. And the op-ed, I'm going to sum it up. The op-ed I wrote was, at the time, institutional racism was, was a big, was a big mm-hmm. thing. Um, 
and I, I explained what people mean by institutional racism and then said, look, I'm not saying I'm, I, you know, it's a thing or it's not a thing. I'm just explaining this is what they're talking right. about when you hear that term. And then I explained that California has a disproportionate amount of gun laws compared to the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And that as a result, there are a lot of uh, people of color, particularly uh, black and Hispanic men between 18 and 45, who are serving extremely long uh, prison sentences um, that include huge violations of, of, the, of the different gun laws in California. And then I put it all together. So if you believe in institutional racism, then you have to acknowledge that the disproportionate amount of gun laws in California is institutional racism because it is definitely doing all the things that you that they describe institutional racism as doing. Right. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So you're invoking the the disparate treatment. I think argument with respect to uh, is something uh, you know systemically racist or whatnot. I, I you know I, I mentioned earlier I'm I'm not allowed as a candidate to to commit myself to issues. I, I will sure. say you know I I think a lot of these uh, arguments and issues. They're important. Uh, you know, we, we've certainly been more conscious lately of the impact laws has on particular groups and whether, in fact, that's either intentional or inadvertent. And whether they're intentional or inadvertent, I think it's important to be aware of the impact that laws has on people. And I, I think it's important for us to have a, a meaningful conversation about those things. And if there's people on one side of the argument that want to use those types of um, positions and principles as far as disparate impact and, you know, disproportionate amount of laws that affect certain people. I think they need to be, uh, you know, open and honest about having that conversation about every issue, you know, so you can't pick and choose uh, when you want to use that type of argument for, uh, you know, whether it's school admissions or something, but then you don't want to use that argument when it comes to gun laws or other things like that. I, I, I think that's an important topic. We've seen a lot, obviously, a discussion on gun laws lately. Do you, how do you, how much can you weigh in on your feelings, personal feelings, on the gun laws in California, particularly on how different they are from forty-seven other states? Yeah, I I feel constrained to to weigh in on issues. I I, I do feel comfortable. I think it's appropriate and fair. You know, I I you know without addressing issues and, and not committing to what I would rule on some issue or if it if it comes before a court or anything like that, but. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing some core values that I have, and I okay. think if people gives, yeah. gives a sense of me, you know, and I've identified four that I kind of just, just throw out there, and I think it's broad enough. You know, I, especially doing the job that I've done, um, public safety is important to me, and, you know, there can be debates about how we best achieve that, but that's something that's important to me. Protecting and upholding our constitutional rights, I think, is an important aspect of, of being a citizen and certainly being in uh, the profession I am, and even as a judge, that's one of your core functions is to protect people's constitutional rights. And then um, individual liberty, which comes with individual accountability, you know, so it, it's not uh, unrestrained. And then finally, limited government. Um, those are kind of four fundamental principles that uh, guide, I think, my perspective on issues and would guide decisions that I make. Um, personally, I, I own guns. Um, and uh, you know, I think there's certainly a a um, a place for that, and there's you know issues that need to be worked out. But um, yeah, I think I th- I'm glad we're having the conversations these days. Jackson's got a question for you. Absolutely, I bet I know what it is. Go for it, bud. 
Oh, what's your favorite gun? Good question. What? That's reminiscent of another question I remember hearing. <laughs> I think I heard that earlier. Yes, yes. I like it. Well, you know, I have I have about four guns, and the, the two uh, handguns that I have are both Glocks. So I think that's my mm. answer. Oh, now you got that, it. Jackson, that's your, you have a Glock. That's what you've got. You got one? Yeah, Glock 48, chambered in 9 mil. Oh, well, I, I don't think I know the exact model of mine right off the top of my head. I'm impressed. All right, Mike, four guns. Those are rookie numbers. we got to bump those up, man. It's not really, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So the, the, let me ask you, how much can you, uh, is it fair to say, I mean, you could have gone on a lot of shows. You could have reached out to a lot of organizations. Yeah. Is it fair to say that people that are listening to this radio show, um, is it fair to say that if they're hearing you on this radio show for a reason, you didn't just randomly right. pick Gun Owners Radio, right. it was important for you to, to, to for them to understand that uh, there's probably some things in common or some values in common. Is that yes? I, I that's a very diplomatic way of saying <clears throat> yeah. What I can't say yes. Thank right. you. <laughs> yes. Well, I got to throw this out there. It would seem to me if I was going to be a judge, I would make decisions on the law. And you can't put your personal feeling in it, period, can you? That's exactly right. And and you know, I But yet there are judges out there that do present their personal right. opinion. No, I you've hit the nail on the head and it, you know, obviously we're all individuals and, yeah. and even as a judge or as a candidate, you're not supposed to not have views and personal feelings about things, but you know, the, 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 the most important, you know, judges have a really important position of trust in the community. Right. The, everybody needs to respect their decisions so that we have a stable society, right? And so I, I understand the importance of not being aggressively pursuing issues and causes because w when you take the bench and you're making decisions, it's not about your personal views or personal feelings. No. It's about, you know, we have a legislative body, we have higher courts that establish the rules, and it's simply my job as a lower level court to apply those laws faithfully to the facts that are before them. And I'm absolutely committed to doing that. Well, good luck to you. I, I think if people listen to this, they'll get a good idea. Uh, Mike, anything for you before we say goodbye? Nope. Nope. Thank you, though. Appreciate it. Yeah, Mike absolutely. Murphy. I think I'm going to vote for Mike. I no, think I'm, I'm voting for I'm, you, man. All yeah. right. Well, thanks very much for having me. I really do appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's our Jackson's gonna Are Jackson going to vote for him? Yep. Are you 18? <laughs> sure he is. Register early. You'll be 18. <laughs> Vote off. You'll be 18 Wednesday, right? Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> You're only nine. All right, we got to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. There's a whole lot more. Jesse's got a great interview all lined up right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, Bob. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and Not Me SD is our program to combat sexual assault and domestic violence. Desi Bergman is in studio with a special guest next. Hey, do you have jewelry you don't wear anymore? Well, guess what? Leo Hamill just doesn't sell jewelry. They'll, they will buy your jewelry, diamonds, gold, silver, flatware, coins, or Swiss watches for the best possible price and pay you on the spot. They'll even buy them even if they're broken. Here's an idea. Why not sell the jewelry or watch that you're not wearing and then buy a gun that you can shoot? When you sell to Leo Hamill, not only will you get the best deal, 
you'll also be supporting the Second Amendment. Support the company to support the 2A. Call 619-299-1500, or you can visit their website at leohamill.com to find the jewelry buyer location near you. Always get awesome service at Leo. 619-299-1500. All right, Desi, what do you got for us tonight? I have on the line Patricia, who is the founder of Crime Survivors. Patricia, are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on tonight. Thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. So, Patricia, I know you have a great story. And could you tell us a little bit about your story and what inspired you to create Crime Survivors? Absolutely. So April 4th of 2002, my personal trainer came into my house, drugged me, wrapped my face and head in saran wrap, beat me black and blue, screaming that he was going to kill me and my son, which was 12 at the time. Um, Life-changing experience, situation and circumstance um, by the grace of the Lord that I am still here today to be able to have started Crime Survivors to bring awareness, prevention, advocacy and healing throughout our communities to help all victims of violent crime, whether it's families of murder, survivors of attempted murder, rape, domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, elder abuse, and human trafficking. And especially, you know, obviously this month with Sexual Assault Awareness Month, Child Abuse Prevention Month, it's a lot to take in to be able to turn it around to help others. No, 100%. And, you know, April being Sexual Assault Awareness Month, I know you guys deal with a wide variety of victims, right? And can you tell me a little bit about the programs that you offer to help victims that come to you to, you know, help them? Yeah, and we're such we're in a difficult climate today. And so every victim needs something different. And so for us, we like to do an intake and we like to find out what it is, where they're at, what are their needs, not only for themselves, but for their children, for their family members, because we have to be able to help the whole family unit in order to make change, to break the cycles to hopefully empower hope and healing. And so that could start with things like diapers and wipes for their children. It could be counseling and therapy, case management, wraparound services. A lot of victims need to relocate to another location so that the offender criminal doesn't find out where they're at and come back and do even worse to them and take their life or harm their family members as well. So a lot really depends on what that victim needs. We're there to listen, to hear them, to provide, to give additional resources as well, um, and just be there so that they know that they're not alone. Yeah, I mean, and being alone in these situations is one of the hardest things. And you know, if you look at, look at the t- statistics, rape and domestic violence are the most under, you know, co- um, Underreported. There you go. Thanks, Mike. Underreported, you know, crime that's out there. And Patricia, if you could tell a victim that hasn't come forward because they're scared, what would you tell them today? Well, and I think the number one thing, especially through the pandemic, through COVID, it is unreported um, a lot more in this climate because justice is also not served to those that are committing crimes, but I want the victims to know that they're not alone. They don't have to walk this journey alone. Um, They can't hide from it. So even if they were to bury it in in their gut, in a sense, um, and not want to talk about it, it's still going to come up in different ways and different formats. So if they're able to get the help and support, they don't even have to report to the police if they don't want to. We suggest that they do because we want to hold those individuals accountable that have committed the crime because we feel that they will go on and do it again. Um, to somebody else 
but we want to make sure that they have every um, aspect to be able to get through it. So they know that they're not alone. We're there to help. We're there to support. And just listen to them without whether it's with reporting or not reporting. Right, right. And and Patricia, tell me, do you guys have like clinics or, you know, centers that these women or families can go to if they're seeking shelter? You know, a lot of things is really in our agency is wraparound services and additional resources. So whether, no matter where they're at, um, again, if they need to have a shelter, we work very closely with not only the domestic violence shelters, but the sexual assault uh, crisis response teams um, so that they have every possible resource. And through our state program here in California, at least, and, and throughout other states as well, is our victim assistance programs that are out there that help with things like relocation counseling and therapy so that they don't have to use their hard-earned money in order to cover costs to be able to survive, to thrive, and get through that process. Right, right. And Patricia, as far as, you know, once a, a woman or a family comes to you and you offer them resources to kind of get them back, you know, into the society, do you guys offer any kind of resources that would say, help empower women to take control of their own safety or other resources to kind of help them move forward? We do, and especially with our self-defense and safety classes, to make sure that they are able to use their voice, their hands, their body to protect themselves. But um, And that's through Krav Maga, self-defense and safety. Um, if they also want to be able to get tasers um, and use that aspect. But we also here do believe in our Second Amendment right. Um, of course, safety first, but we do believe in, in making sure that victims have a right to protect themselves, protect their children, protect their family, and whatever we can do to guide them and help them through that process, we're there to do that. And Patricia, you and I have spoken, you know, a number of times about, you know, what you do and what Not Me CA does, right? Because you're an organization that handles all of Southern California and Not Me also has packs that are up in Orange County to the Inland Empire, all the way down to San Diego. So you and I both have the same mission and the same message, right? That we really want to empower women to be their own protector. And to your point, firearms is great, but it's not like the first defense in a lot of situations because you have a lot of moms that are out there, right? And firearms can be scary to some women that have never shot a firearm for the first time. But, you know, Krav Maga, pepper spray, situational, you know, self-awareness classes, all of these are tools that women can add to their tool belt to help them become their own protector. And once they're comfortable and they want to take that next step to, you know, purchase a firearm and, you know, learn how to train with that, like, I think that's great. I think it's incredible, and I think every woman should be able to know that it is okay to protect yourself, um, it, whether it's by, you know, a man attacking you, whether it's a female attacking you, whether it's a family member, it doesn't matter if it's a stranger, whatever that is. I think women tend to think that we want to care for and nurture and that we can't fight back or we can't hit or any of that stuff, but I'm here to say that that's changed. Um, and we can fight back. We, we should always be able to do whatever we need to do to protect ourselves. And again, that's with our voice, our, our hands, our feet, our legs, our body, our minds, our spirit. Um, and like, again, like I said, whether it's a taser, whether it's your, you get a weapon and you get a gun, but always remembering that safety is priority always. Um, and if you have children in the home, you should always make sure that there is a safety plan in place. 
Right. And and Patricia, I do Krav Maga, right? This is a big thing that I've actually taken on so I can learn to protect myself. And what's crazy is when we're doing a lot of our training that we do, some of the scenarios that we put through is actually protecting, you know, like a child or, you know, someone else that's important to us because, you know, I'm not a mother myself, but I know there's a lot of moms out there that listen, you will protect your children no matter what. And unfortunately, in some of these situations where, you know, women are victims of domestic violence or sexual assault, eight out of 10 situations, the woman actually knew the person that was sexually assaulting them. And that's crazy, right? Because it could be anybody and it could be anybody that you know that could potentially do this to you. And to me, that's a very scary thought. It's very scary. It's very scary for our youth, for our elderly and everybody in between because it can happen to anybody. It crosses all boundaries. Doesn't matter what your faith and religion is. Doesn't matter what your income income level is. Doesn't matter, you know, if you live in a house or an apartment. Does it, all of those three things don't matter. It can happen to anyone and it can happen anywhere and sometimes and most of the times is where it's least expected. Um, and then it also happens the majority of times by somebody that you know. Could be a family member, could be a friend. It could, you know, it happens at universities, colleges, um, everywhere. So it is time that we speak about it. And if you know something, like the thing is, is you say something, you see something, you say something, you do something. So if you know someone that has been in danger um, and you're not sure what to do for them, just be there for them also. You know, you can listen to them, you can help them, you can support them to come forward or to get the correct help to be able to survive and thrive. Thrive and thrive. I love that. That's a great model right there. Yeah, because you also don't have to be defined by what happened to you. Um, it's going to take a process to go through what you went through, but you don't have to be defined for the rest of your life by that. You can, you can break the cycles. You can survive. You can thrive. You can be a warrior and a champion, not only for yourself, but for many others in the community as well. Right. And half the problems or half the troubles that people have is trying to move past that trauma and be able to work through it. But I think that once they can move past that, you know, they're going to be in a much better situation. Well, you know, I always do say that it is a life sentence as well. Um, you know, it, it does change you forever. So when you victimized and traumatized, you go through that and you're never going to be the same person. But that doesn't mean that you can't be a better person or a stronger person and be able to make a difference in your community because you can. It's just you are a changed person. And sometimes it's hard for your family and friends to understand the new you and who you are. But you know what? It's your voice. It's your life. And you can be whoever you so choose to be. Hey, Patricia, can you hang with us for... Oh, no. Nope, that's it. Okay. She's got to go. Thank you very much for uh, calling in. We really appreciate it. Hope to hear from you down the road. Perfect. Thank you so much. If anybody out there is in need of help, they can go to crimesurvivors.org, and we will be there to help and support. All right. Sounds great. All right, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Ah, all right, folks. Welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Well, PRMI Mortgage, folks. PrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help with a VA loan? Well, if you're looking to buy, refi, or if you're considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans 
with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. Well, I thought that was fascinating. I thought Patricia from Crime Survivors, I thought it was fascinating. It was amazing. Thank Her you, story David. was crazy, right? Like, you have to think about that anybody that you know could be an attacker. Yeah. Well, we're just, so I just said off air, it's, what, what, what was going through my head after you guys said that was that every woman right now who will be attacked in the future knows that attacker. The majority of that per, them. Yeah, the yep. majority. Most of them, yeah. The vast majority of women you know, it's a it's a it's a it's far too many, but it's a it's a minority of women who will be attacked, and the majority of those women that the person that will attack them is in their life right now. Jeez. They're having dinner with them. They're whatever. They're working with them or whatever. You know. So, Mike, one out of three women will actually be a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault in her life. It's crazy. And if you go back to the statistic that eight out of ten women actually knew the person that sexually assaulted them, that's crazy. Yeah. Totally. And with COVID, you have to look at the numbers that domestic violence numbers shot up crazy because think about it. Spouses were at home with each other for 100% of the time. And that was one thing that triggered a lot of domestic violence cases to come forward well, or even not come forward because this is something that's underreported because people don't want the consequences. Like they're afraid that if they report rape or domestic violence, that that person's going to come after them. And then they're, it's going to be a really scary concept, right? Some women will get a restraining order in that situation, but some don't. And that's why Not Me is such a powerful tool because we help empower women to take over their safety, right? We want to teach them about firearms. We want to teach them about gun ownership. We want to help them get their CCW. So in those situations where women are afraid to come forward, we can add more tools to their tool belt to help them become their own protector. Well, it's totally unique. I don't know. I I think it's cool that you guys are starting to uh, work more with other organizations that do something similar, mm-hmm. but it's really cool that not me is, you know, we're not just, you, you don't just bring awareness. No, we it's, don't just bring awareness. Yeah. It's, it's, Hey, here's, we're doing something about this. Well, well one thing, Oh, go ahead, Dave. Well, I was just going to say, no offense, but a restraining order isn't really it's just worth a piece the of paper. paper. It's, it's just a piece of paper. And I mean, people put so much stock in a restraining order. It's nothing. No. It makes me crazy when people say that. And one thing I love about where we've kind of taken this program is a lot of women that have actually graduated through the program, Mm -hmm. mind you're at 550 now. That's a big number for us, right? 550 women have actually been through our program. Big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. It's not, I couldn't have done it without my amazing ambassadors that help with the program. But I've talked to a lot of women that have actually been through the program, right? Because I'm involved with these women at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And they've really started to see Not Me as a great resource for adding more tools to their tool belt. So like I do Krav Maga, I wouldn't have known about this unless the owner of the studio actually reached out to us because he did a self-defense class for us last year, right? We do situational awareness classes. We've done a first aid class. We've done Stop the Bleed. So my vision and the way I'm taking this program is I want to be able to offer as many tools to these women as possible for so they can protect themselves. And I like the idea of having safety, right? So that's why we offer so many different options. Of course, our focus is always going to be firearms because well, that's what we're here for, but it's not the only answer. And think about it. If you can't get to your firearm, you need to have another tool to help protect yourself. And whether it's firearms or first aid or hand to hand or all the stuff that you're uh, helping folks with, pepper spray too. That's a great tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Dramisi did a class for us a couple months ago, and that was really awesome to learn. What was crazy about that class, Mike and Dave, is we actually had a lot of mother daughter pairs 
that came in, the mothers brought their daughters because these daughters are going off to college and, you know, they wanted these daughters to have more tools to protect herself. Mm -hmm. And you could see as they're talking about the situational awareness and they're talking about being on your cell phone the whole time, these moms just look at the daughters like, yeah, uh huh, <laughs> who's on their cell phone the whole time. <laughs> and so these, these classes are great because again, firearms is awesome. But what happens if you can't get to your gun? What happens if you're pushed to the ground and now don't have access to it, right? Like there are so many tools that are out there to help you protect yourself. And, you know, I love putting on these programs because I get to take advantage of them myself. And so I've learned a lot about personal protection and it's something that empowers you and you can never take that away. Because once you feel empowered to take control of your own safety, again, it's, it's a great feeling. But the, the worst, the worst day to get this knowledge, the first aid knowledge, the self-defense knowledge, the absolute worst day is the day after you need it. Correct. And you know, so many people, I remember we were getting a security system installed in the house and uh, they said, that, yeah, the most, most popular time to do it is after you've been robbed, you know? And how many times, how many, how many times do people get robbed in their life? Let's not be proactive. Let's be reactive. Yeah, right. exactly. Don't be reactive, be proactive. But I thought it was great. It was a great interview. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Patricia's great. What'd you think, Jackson? Did you like the interview? Yes, I did. Now you did something cool last week. It's your birthday this week, and then last week, what did you do? You went. You had your first competition. Uh, yeah, up in Escondido. How did you like that? It was actually really good. Yeah, I guess the question is, how did he do? Yeah, how did you do? Uh, good. You did good. He did good. Did you hit the target? Target. Yes. More than once. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Did you get a trophy? No. Did you get a new car? No. <laughs> Did you get Dave. an airplane? No. <sighs> this guy trains a lot, Dave. Like, he could probably do circles around all of us in here. Duh. He's probably right. Well, this is your first competition. It was uh, it was a pistol competition, and it was just kind of to check it out, right? See how it worked. And Brittany from from Glock Store took you, right? Indeed. Was she pretty good? Uh, did she did she help you through the, the, uh, the uh, uh, stages? Yep. Yeah, she's really good, right? She's she's a good shot herself, isn't she? Indeed. Did you have to get on a ladder so you could hit the target? <laughs> no, they were actually kind of my height, so. Oh, really? So everybody had to get real low, and you were right there perfect, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and did you quick draw? Up. Uh, you know, like John Wayne does? Could you draw from holster? Oh. John Wayne and Elvis. Yeah, once I started shooting pistol, um, you kind of had to get a holster. Yeah, oh, okay. You had to get a holster? You kind of had to. Oh, yeah. It was cool, though, right? Your holster's pretty cool. Yeah, it? did you get one for your birthday? Yeah. No, I already have one. You need to get one with studs on it, you know, with diamonds. So you'd be Does looking. he look like a bling bling kid? I mean, he looks on, like look a blinger. He's got, he's got a tattoo. He's got a kiss <laughs> t-shirt. You need a mohawk. <laughs> Think your mom will let you have a mohawk? Next thing I need. You know what a mohawk <laughs> is? Yeah. It's where your hair stands up in the middle. Dave, you should get a mohawk. I don't have any hair. I know. <laughs> Otherwise, I would. You should get a mohawk, Mike. Uh, well, same thing. I'm going the I'm going the same direction. <laughs> You'll be Dave in 20 years, Mike. Yeah. yeah I know. Little... So when's your next competition? Well, we're hopefully uh, going to go um, uh, this coming uh, May. Uh, yeah. The first Saturday of every month is when Escondido does their competitions. What range in sec in, in Escondido? Escondido Fishing Game. Yeah, Fishing Game. Yeah, that's a range. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. an outdoor range. Oh, right by, uh, is there any did you shoot a fish? No. 
Couldn't hit it. Well, it's fast. right by uh, Lake Walford, right? Oh, Walford. I know where Lake Walford is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You couldn't hit a fish anyway. You know how fast they swim? Fish are pretty yeah. fast. Yeah. Good spirit. Unless yeah. a bear and cart, I could shoot it. <laughs> you think? You want a bear yeah. to catch it for you? A bear? No, you don't want to shoot a bear. You can't run that fast. Hey, as long as you're not the slowest, Dave, that's all that matters. That's unless, true. I like the way you think, girl. Now, unless I have a backup plan with a horse involved into it. <laughs> well, if you bring Mike, because you can outrun Mike, right? Yeah, you'd probably outrun me. I then think the so. bear would get him. We'll just push Mike down and we'll just both run away, all right? There you go. <laughs> I'd wrestle a bar. A he bar? Would. He could right. wrestle a bear. Easily. That's Davy Crockett. You know who Davy Crockett is? Uh, does he wrestle? You got a lot of homework tonight. Okay, Davey so Crockett, so far Elvis. the references are Elvis, John Wayne, and <laughs> Davy Crockett. You got a lot Kids of homework. Kids nine, tonight. not 90. Hey, I bet you if he sees them on TV, he'd like them. He'd like John Wayne. I don't. Sometimes I wish for this. I almost kind of wish I was born back then. Yeah, I know. Do you have an old soul? Uh, that's what we call that. Yeah, he yeah, probably you seem like you does. Have an old soul. Sometimes the, I wish I do. You should. Yeah. Wa- you got to watch the movie Al- the Alamo. That's got a good. Oh, that's yeah. got a good portrayal of Davy Crockett. I think. Yeah, Davy Crockett. And- yeah, that that'd be a great one, right? What's yeah. his What's his name? The guy that was married to Angelina Jolie, played Brad played, Pitt. No, no, the other guy, the far less attractive guy that was married to Angelina Jolie. What was that guy's name? Who was that guy? I don't know who, who? that guy was. Remember his name? Oh well. Anyway, he was uh, he was in that movie with the guy that went. Uh huh. Remember that guy? Oh uh, yeah. Is yeah, it back? Is it Back to the Future? Yeah. No. Hey, do you know who Gabby Hayes is? Um, I don't know who that is. I love the way Gabby Hayes talks. You know who Gabby Hayes is? I don't think I do. Yeah, with the uh, with the uh, with uh, with the guy that did the thing, Jingles. The yeah, end. the guy that did the thing, Mike. That guy. Yeah, that guy. So, was it fun? I mean, what do you think? You're going to do more competition. What did you? Is there anything you liked about it in particular? All of it. You liked all of it. You liked being. You were pretty good. Were people impressed? It, were they coming up to you and being nice? Yeah. Do you have any autographs? Uh. No. You didn't give you got to learn to start writing your name really good cuz they're going to start asking you for autographs. Uh-huh. Well, I have learned how to write my name in cursive. Really? <laughs> That's considered an autograph. And you got to start wearing sunglasses. Uh well, these sun these glasses actually turn into sunglasses, uh, so Oh, yeah, but you got to no get need. see that way you're cool. He is cool. What are you talking about, like Dave? Elvis. <laughs> like Elvis. Then you got to teach how to dance. Like Elvis. Oh, I already know how to do. He's you gonna do. show us some moves later. Like Uh-oh. Cary Grant. What's that? Fred Astaire. <laughs> Fred you know Astaire. Fred Astaire. I know it. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. And Ginger oh. Rogers. Ginger Rogers. Oh, you got to look. Fred Astaire. You got so Rogers. much homework to do. <laughs> Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did backwards. In high and heels, heels too. They right. did the Irish dance in high heels. Uh yes, maybe, probably. Desi can teach you that. I, I can, can teach dance. you anything in high heels. I got you. Yeah, so uh, she can do that. It's a little more difficult, though. Trust me, you and I can't dance in high heels. They're, they might hurt your feet after a while. Plus, you'd fall over. Oh, I got you. And then you'd bounce, and that would never be anything good. Yeah. If, I were, if I were made of sponge material, I'd bounce all over the place. Oh, <laughs> you might bounce. You're what, young. What did Now, what did Chase do while you were doing the competition? Was he out there with you? Your dog? Uh, no, there were a lot of big guns out there, like... 10 mil the hand cannons. All right, so he hung out in the car? Oh, yeah, he doesn't want to hear all that noise. All right. So where's he at tonight? Took the day off? Yeah, day off. I bet he's watching a John Wayne movie. What do you want to bet? <laughs> I'll bet you. If you ask him when, he gets, when you get home, and if he calls you partner, then you know he's watching it.
<laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Why? Because we want to. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, Orange County is uh, on Saturday, April 23rd, is going to be a gun prom right there at Orange Hill Restaurant. And if you missed that one, well, San Diego is going to have theirs Saturday, June 18th at Town and Country Mission Valley. When it comes to Second Amendment celebration dinners, gun prom is first on the list. And if you haven't been, you got to go because it is a blast. And amazing. It is amazing. You're and gonna amazing. Be, you're going to be there this, this year, right? June 18th? Yep. You same. got that on your calendar? Yep. Same tux, same bow tie, same shoe, same everything. Yeah. Pup's got a bow tie too, right? Yeah. Well, not a bow tie, but those long ones. Right. John Wayne's going to be there this year too, just so you'll know. John Wayne? Yeah. Check him out. when he, you'll, you'll see him when he comes. Yeah. I'll introduce you to him. Hmm. Great. Now I'm going to get a bunch of emails. Um, <laughs> I heard that this year your John special guest- Dave. Oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Hey, who's going to do Stump My Nephew? All right, so we're going to do Stump My Nephew, everybody's favorite segment. Sam, the gunman, is my nephew. We found out a few years ago that he knows a lot about guns. So if you send us a uh, trivia question that has to do with guns and we use it on the radio, we'll give you a hat or shirt. If you stump my nephew, we'll give you a special prize. The last special prize we gave were, I think it was a couple of tickets to gun prom. So. Yeah, it was two tickets to gun prom. Two tickets to gun prom. All right, Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. By the way, Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. He was married to Angeline Jolie. Billy Bob Thornton played Davy Crockett in the Alamo. He that, did not. Yeah, he did. I wouldn't make that up. What kind <laughs> of thing? The movie The Alamo? Which came one out, did you see? I'm uh, talking about the very first one. Well, no, this one came out in like the 90s. Oh, no, that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Billy Bob Thornton as... Uh, the first... Was Quentin Tarantino, but we knew that wasn't Quentin Tarantino married to Angelina Jolie, but that's wrong. I don't think that it was, was right. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Enough of trivia. Yeah. All right. So, what's the answer, Sam? No, I'm kidding. Okay. So uh, we uh, we have a question every week. Sam uh, tries to answer it. And most of the time, he does. So, uh, Action Jackson, what's his question? Who who sent in the question? This. All right. Charlie from. Norco. Yep. What did he ask? He asked, "What is special about a Soviet Union?" Soviet Union. Soviet Union's APS assault rifle. What is special about the Soviet Union's APS assault rifle? I feel like I heard that before. Thanks for writing in, Charlie. Um, now, the most uh, most Soviet. Weapons were designated um, with a series of letters uh, as, as an initialism denoting um, what it is and who designed it. And as I recall, the APS was a special purpose underwater assault rifle, which fired these long darts. Um, and it was supposed to be used by frogmen um, who might be uh, engaged in some kind of sabotage operations underwater and needed something in case they encountered uh, enemy divers trying to stop them from uh, demolishing whatever it was they were working on. 
I don't know how you knew that, but that's absolutely correct. Excellent. <clears throat> Why use a spear gun when you can take your assault rifle underwater? The logic that logic gave birth to the Soviet Union's APS underwater assault rifle in the nineteen seventies. This gun was a derivative of an AK-47, that's interesting, and specifically designed to shoot underwater. It fired steel 5.66 millimeter rounds and had a barrel that wasn't rifled, which made the gun inaccurate when fired out of the water, but underwater it was more powerful than a spear gun and could hold up to 26 cartridges. Wow, 26. I wonder how functional it was. Do you have any idea how, how good was it? I've seen photos of them um, in in use. Uh, I I don't know how um, how widespread the the use was because it's kind of a special purpose thing. But if I understand correctly, they uh, they they were effective at what they were designed to do. You know, I've I've long said that gun folks make mountains out of molehills. You know, like we we debate over stuff that isn't. I mean, you know, the nine millimeter versus forty five and AK versus AR, whatever. We we definitely we're kings of making mountains out of molehills. I would suggest <laughs> that maybe the the idea that a uh, you know some kind of underwater special operations guy running into another person underwater that's also special operations from an enemy country. I would suggest that that may be a fairly rare thing. I would suspect that yeah, it's it's probably quite rare. It's. Um you know that that type of a weapon is very situational, but I suppose if I was some kind of special forces diver, then I would at least want to uh, want to know that I could take care of any threat I might find. But yeah, I, I would imagine it's it's kind of an uncommon thing. But I don't know. I've never blown stuff up underwater, so uh, maybe maybe someone can give me some insight on that. That'd be that'd be an interesting. It'd seriously be interesting to find out. Has yeah. there ever been a fight underwater by two 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 enemies like probably that? in a James Bond movie? Yeah, I was just gonna say James Bond did it. <laughs> well, all the time. James Bond did it, and Charlie yeah. Sheen and the Sea Hunt with Lloyd Bridges. That's true. You're right. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges. You this show is getting staler and staler as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Lloyd Bridges? Who the heck is Lloyd? Lloyd oh my God! Sea Hunt. Write that down. That's another one you got to look up. He was related to Golden Gate Bridges. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but your grandmother knows every show I'm talking about. <laughs> I wasn't born back then. I know, okay? but your grandmother knows every person I was talking about, so she'll educate you when you get home. You got. You're gonna get a whole long uh, cultural lesson. Yeah, and you're from, gonna from love OG. it too, man. Because she's great. gonna have to do this tomorrow morning because I. I already have plans for the night. Well, excuse me. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had no idea. Give his dog a bath. <laughs> <laughs> or does he do it himself? He probably does. <laughs> probably does it. Okay, so Sam, uh, I wanted to ask you what you got a you got a pretty cool thing last week. What I was actually there and got to check it out. What'd you get? Yeah, I um I ordered a gun online, which I mean that's that's not the cool part. The cool part was it is a Kiapa Rhino revolver. Kiapa, right? I understand. It's not. It's Kiapa. That's how you say it. What is that? Uh, well, yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure that's how it's said. Is that on a California roster? I don't know. Of course not. Actually, actually, I think you can buy a rhino. I think you can buy rhinos out here. You think? think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Say that three times as fast, Mike. <laughs> but it's uh, the rhino. Okay, so the Kiapa or Chiapa? I thought it was. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I've only you can't seen even it. say spaghetti. 
It, I can barely spit. I, I can eat spaghetti, but I can barely say it. So the, the Rhino is a revolver. It's a really fairly modern looking revolver, and it kind of looks, it's kind of ugly. kind of looks like a Rhino. And, and really? You know how normally hmm. the, the bullet shot is at the top of the cylinder? Yeah. The Rhino, it's actually at the bottom of the cylinder. Right? Am I saying that right? Sam? Yeah, that's, that's exactly um, the way it works. It was designed by Emilio Gissoni, an Italian uh, firearms engineer. Speaking of spaghetti, he yeah. designed a lot of um, it, he he designed a lot of revolvers that fired from the bottom chamber of the cylinder, because the idea there is if you can lower the bore axis, you can reduce the amount of muzzle flip. So it like it's it's pretty uh. simple. You have um, the the force of the recoil that's off axis with your um, your opposite force provided by your arm then you get this torque that's induced. And the farther away those two axes of force are, the greater the torque. So if you can lower the bore axis and bring it down more in line with your arm, then uh, you can reduce muzzle flip and have faster follow-up shots for competition shooting. Now, I don't shoot competition with revolvers. I bought it because I wanted one, and life is too short not to buy a gun because it's interesting. What, what year was that made? Uh, I think sometime in the early 2000s. I know they've oh. been out since at least maybe 2008, 2011 or so, somewhere in that time frame. Okay, so it's fairly new. It's not an older. Interesting. It's really ugly. The other thing that was really particularly. Don't say that about his new gun. <laughs> it was ugly in a good way. You know how like puppies are so ugly they're cute? That's what this was. I've never so seen it's an a ugly pug, puppy. <laughs> it's a pug. pug. It's the pug it's of pug. revolvers. Do you think it's ugly? Um, no, I, it, it, it's interesting. It's certainly yeah. not for everyone, especially if you're someone who's used to a, a classic, you know, Smith and Wesson Model 19 or, or Colt um, King Cobra or whatever. Is it a popular gun? Do a lot of people buy them? No. Well, it's but it's not a novelty gun either. It's a it's a high quality gun, right? It's not it's nothing. Yeah, it's, to... it's it's high quality. It's very well made. Um, they make it in a whole bunch of different configurations. Um, and they're, it's it's actually pretty lightweight and, and slim for what it is just because it has this aluminum alloy frame which keeps the weight down. Mm. The design of the cylinder, it has flat sides. So um, I would imagine something like the 2-inch the or 3-inch model would probably be pretty good if you wanted to carry it concealed. See that? There's have a picture you fired it yet? I have not had the chance to fire it yet. That's not ugly. That is freaking cool. What do you think of it, Jackson? It's legit. It's legit. Yeah, I think it's. A, you just don't like it. <laughs> no, I like it. You know, no, the one, it's because you don't have one. Well, that's, that's the truth. But you know, one thing I think it was, it's a good looking gun. Personally. It's not on the roster, unfortunately. So I knew that. Well, I'm pretty Desi sure you can buy one that. But the one cool thing about it, one cool thing that I thought that he pointed out is it, it has the exact same uh, grip angle as a Glock, right? Um, I don't know that it's the exact same, but it does have a grip that feels much more like that of a Glock than, uh, or like a, a Steyr uh, L or M series pistol. It felt um, very Glocky to, to me. A, a really? Yeah. I think that would get somebody's attention if you pulled that bad boy out. That thing is gnarly looking. If somebody's listening, I'm pretty sure you can buy a Rhino in California. If somebody's re- listening, no, he, he, knows just, he just looked it up. You can't. Our board op. Yeah, Brendan. Never heard, man. Of, never heard of Brendan. Never heard of Brendan? Brendan in the box. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's a good friend of John oh, well, Wayne. I thought you could. I thought I could have swore. I, th- I thought the gun range uh, San Diego was uh, selling them and uh, maybe off roster. I don't know. Anyway, <clears> it was they cool. can't sell guns off roster. 
Well, if you're a dealer, I'm sure you can have one. Or if if you know some uh, corrupt police officers. Ah, we know lots of those. Guys. So you're gonna when are you go you go to you're gonna go to the range and then uh, can we talk to you about can you can you get Shoot to the it. range this week and then we'll talk to you about it next like, next Sunday do a little mini review. Yeah. You know, as soon as I get the chance to shoot it, go okay. out in the backyard. What else are you doing? Yeah. You guys have a basement? Go down there. Yeah, you got trees. Tell your mom yeah. that you need to borrow some pillows. Go shoot a tree. <laughs> trees you don't care. I wouldn't like that. More Probably like not. waste some money. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. You're the best. <laughs> thanks for having me on. Good night. Hey, subscribe to our show and give us a five-star review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. And please support our sponsors, San Diego County, Orange County, Inland Empire Gun Owners, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Sage Tree Digital Marketing, CL1, Leo Hamill Fine Jewelry, San Diego Flight Training International. Thanks to Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Brendan Thomas, and Action Jackson, and our special guest, Desi, right here on FM. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.